Cynthia Andrew lives quite a public double life. By day, she's a compliance professional, and by night and weekend, she's a social media influencer whose perfectly laid out Instagram tiles could induce FOMO in the best of us. First of all, in the beginning, I was like, what? Somebody is going to give me money? Oh, wow. I didn't, I, I did not know that could happen. She started blogging as a creative release after she began feeling burnt out as a practicing attorney. Almost a decade later, she's closing deals with major brands such as GoDaddy, Loft, Pantene, and Estee Lauder, to name a few. It was a project that I thought from when I just read it, it felt like a lot of work and something that I did not want to do. So I countered. I think I maybe a little more than doubled what they had offered. And literally five minutes later, great, we're sending you the contract to sign. And that began me realizing that it's true that women never ask for enough. We don't really know our worth. She shares some of the major lessons that have helped her scale her business and gracefully manage some of the downsides of being in the public eye. Oh, the trolls. I am lucky. I believe the trolls are the 1%. They're the 1% that, for the most part, do not deserve any of our time or attention. I'm, I'm going to go with Michelle, man. You know, just always, always go high. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pele, and welcome to a refresh of Episode 7 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. In today's episode, we are revisiting one of our earliest episodes with gems that keep on giving. To this day, you guys still love to listen to it. Now in episode seven, we had Cynthia Andrew on the show. She's a multi-hyphenate like a lot of millennials are these days. I'm still a big fan of hers and follow her on Instagram. And she recently gave birth to twins. So if you're on Instagram, head over and show her some love. Before we hear the rest of Cynthia's story, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes. This will help to spread the word about our podcast so amazing stories like Cynthia's can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off-script with blogger, influencer, and founder of the SimplySyn.com brand, Cynthia Andrew. Cynthia Andrew, welcome to She's Off-Script. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much for uh, for having me on She's Off Script today. Of course, I have admired your journey online for so long, and it's surreal to have you on the show. I'm really excited to dig into your journey, if you don't mind sharing with our audience today. <laughs> oh, I, I would love to share. I would definitely love to share. And that's really nice of you. Thank you. Of course. Could you share your journey to launching SimplySyn.com with us? Who is Cynthia Andrew and how did you get started? Uh, wow. You know, life is just interesting. So really my background and uh, the focus for most of my life was um, to get into one of the, I call them the three African careers, which is uh, <laughs> like doctor, lawyer, engineer, and um, I quickly realized I wasn't going to be a doctor because I could not figure out organic chemistry. And mm-hmm. um, I followed the path of uh, my father, who uh, was also a lawyer. And I went to law school. And for most of, for a while, that really was all I focused on. But I, I, I had a period where I just had a sense of 
just feeling like I needed an outlet, a creative outlet. I've always been mm-hmm. someone who was interested in just, I don't want to say arts. I was interested in books and reading and music and travel. And I felt slightly stifled. Uh, so I started I started a blog and to be quite honest, when I, when I started the blog, I felt like I had to have a niche and limited to just one specific thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. But with time, I decided that it was great to be myself and great to share any and all of my interests. And so um, I think the first version of my blog was, I actually had a blog called Africana. And Mm -hmm. then I changed it. I had a blog called Addicted to Etsy. And then after that, I changed my blog to Simply Sin. And it literally was just a platform to talk about fashion and music and food and travel and anything that I thought was interesting and that I thought um, maybe other people would find interesting. So... Now I think you've been at it for give or take 10 years, but you really got serious about it five years ago. So what prompted you to move from blogging as a hobby to more of like a professional venture? Um, You know, I think to be quite honest, because I had the career and because in my mind, I thought that a professional could only be one way for for such a long time. Mm -hmm. I... I honestly just didn't think, you know, blogging, you know, could be a serious thing. And then opportunities actually started to present themselves uh, to me. Um, And once I started working on those opportunities and collaborating with some folks, I realized, wait a minute, this is not just, there's actually a space here. Um, to, to make this not just, you know, um, you know, to make it enriching in in a financial way. So Mm -hmm. while like there were other aspects that I found really great for my spirit and really good as an outlet, I realized, wait a minute, I could actually make money doing this. Um, and of course in the beginning, the, the concept of money was, oh, I could make a little pocket change. I could, you know, do affiliate linking. I could get some, you know, some ads. I could get, you know, um, uh, especially in the beginning, you you may get free things. And it's like, oh, that's Mm -hmm. a bonus. So it wasn't, even though five years ago, I started taking it a little bit seriously. I think five years ago, I was still thinking about it in terms of I could get some perks. I could get Mm -hmm. some exposure and I could get some pocket change. But I wasn't thinking of it as, business, business. And then I think it was two years later, so about three years ago, where I really decided to sit down and look at um, putting together a plan uh, to making, to really taking this seriously. Oh, and I really want to dig into what the plan was and how you were able to scale this as a business. But yeah. then I will I will say one of the things I love about your approach is that although you are blogging at a professional level, I would say you're mm-hmm. also balancing that with a corporate career as a compliance officer. And so how did you originally share your blogging side hustle with your employer? How did that conversation play out? Uh, you know, what's interesting. I actually did not have to have that conversation. So 
Um, I moved into compliance. I, I used to work um, in legal and mm -hmm. I was, I would basically say recruited. The opportunity came up and they reached out to me and they said, Hey, what happened with it? I'd actually interviewed for uh, a legal position. Mm -hmm. um, and during my interview, I met some folks who later on, when the compliance opportunity came up, they said, oh, well, you know, we remember you, you'd interviewed for a different position. We have another opportunity. If you would like to interview for that, we think it will be interesting. And they're like, well, mm -hmm. it's in compliance. And, you know, while this may be a new space for you, there's lots of opportunities to you know, get certified, as, uh, be a compliance certified professional. We'll make sure you have the tools and resources so that you can get up to speed, but we'll believe that you would be a good fit for this job. So another thing they did after they had this conversation is they'd already, I guess, looked me up and I've always been very, had always been very, um, transparent about what I was doing and mm -hmm. my blogging has been on my LinkedIn and on my CV even when it was a hobby, because at first I just thought it was something interesting. It, it added a little uh, variety on my CV. I, I didn't have it on my CV because I thought, you know, it, it, it was, you know, I thought of it as a business, but I had it on my CV because I thought, you know, I didn't want my CV to look a little too, you know, lawyer, law school, law school things, law school things. Right, I wanted something right. that was a little bit, you know, so I had it on my CV and I had it on my LinkedIn. So, um, so it, it was always information that's been public to any, you know, anyone who, you know, looked me up or researched me. It was, so I, I never had to do like a, a coming out. Oh, by the way, I blog on the side. Right. Um, I, um, it was out there. No, that's good. I think people have different perspectives on that, but yeah. In this day and age, at the point where you put things online, quite frankly, yeah. it's there for anyone to see. So you may as well embrace it and package it and tell your story in a way that fits the brand that you're put, you're trying to put out there. And so That's exactly it. So exactly. I, I, I would say maybe you could help for people who are still trying to figure out how to quote unquote come out to their employers from a compliance perspective, what advice would you give people out there who are balancing a side hustle and don't quite know how to share that part of their lives with colleagues and managers? Yeah, I think if this is new and so it's not information that they were aware of previously, it is mm -hmm. good to take some time and, you know, you know, speak to your, your, your boss or your manager or, you know, whoever you think should be informed and just have a conversation about, you know, um, this, I take my job. And I think that's another thing. There's always this fear that if you have a side hustle, somehow your main hustle is less important to you or you're mm -hmm. not taking it seriously. If anything, I think that, um, the blogging has helped me in so many ways be so much better at my day job. Um, really? So, in what way? Yes. Uh, because I've had to communicate with a lot of people. I've had to be very disciplined and structured. Uh, I've had to learn how to manage my time. Um, mm. And I've had to have a lot of to work independently and um, manage relationships. There's so much, you know, the whole thing about skills is you got to work them. And the more you're right. working your skills, the better they, they get. And so much of what we do 
regardless of what job you have. I mean, I'm sure there's some jobs, but most jobs, especially what I do is, is interactions with people mm-hmm. and, you know, making sure that compliance is basically making sure people are following the rules. That's a lot of what I do. And so there's a lot of checking in. There's a lot of, you know, building relationships and trust, making sure people feel Mm -hmm. comfortable to talk to you. And I do so much of that when I'm on social media. I, I have relationships with people I've never met in person. And, you know, I communicate with a lot of people that I've never met in person and knowing how to, to message and communicate. Mm -hmm. um, Those are not easy skills and I know that it's so much of what I've done on social media interacting with folks I take that back to the office and I'm better at engaging with people Mm. Um, so but again if going back if it's brand new I also think you have to educate folks because people don't know so the first part is this is what I do and this is what it is and this is what it means and mm-hmm. also being clear that it does not have an effect on your day job. Um, mm-hmm. For someone like myself who does travel, I do have conversations with my boss about my calendar. I make sure that well in advance I've communicated about, you know, we, I know what's coming up at the office, all the mm-hmm. commitments, all the meetings. And I make sure that if I'm taking time out to travel, that that's already been sorted well in advance. I actually do my calendar six months to a year in advance most of wow. the time. Okay. Yes. So that's I key, over-communicate. It's very then. key. I over-communicate. I say, this other thing is very important to me. It adds mm-hmm. value to the person that I am. It, it you know, it's um, important to me. Uh, mm-hmm. But that in, in no way means that this is less important. Um, we're, we're all, and you know what's actually interesting is that when you talk about this, you may be surprised to find that most people have some kind of side hustle. Oh, and, yeah. and yeah, like a lot of people are finding we, we are very um, multi-layered, you know, we're multi-layered, we're multi-dimensional, mm-hmm. we, we like a variety of things, we, we have a variety of skills. And there's nothing that says that because you are uh, a doctor, lawyer, or anything else, that you should only be that one thing, you know? Right. And, and um, people are lawyers and mothers and aunts, and they support their families, and they have their businesses, and they write books, and they have podcasts, and they play in bands, and their book clubs, like, there, there's, a, there's enough hours in the day if you figure out what's important to you and how mm-hmm. to structure your day that you could do all the things you want to do. Or you could do less. Like, it's, it's up to you. You could do a lot. You could do less. I choose maybe I watch less television and I get yeah. to do other things. Something's <laughs> got to give. You can't do the marathon Netflix. Yes. <laughs> I don't, you know. So I may not watch all the latest things on Netflix, but, you know, I did something else. And But it, it's about balance and discipline and structure. Absolutely. So just be transparent with your bosses. Make sure that you're performing at work is what I think I hear you saying. You, you have to. Be sure you're letting them know what it is that you're doing. And you also, you also have to decide um, if, 
you see, there's different kinds of jobs. There's jobs and there's careers and there's, mm-hmm. you have to be honest with yourself about what that job is worth to you. Mm-hmm. For me, for example, I really love my job. I love my colleagues. I love what I do. I, so many people have asked me, when are you leaving? Will you leave it? Because, you know, it looks like business on the other side is good. And I said, I've said no. And it's because I care that I make sure I feel like I actually work harder mm. because I, I, I wouldn't want anyone to, to think that um, it's not important to me. And, you mm-hmm. know, and sometimes, you know, it's unfortunate, but appearances matter. What people think sometimes matter at your place right. of work just because you want to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. So I make sure that I show up. I make sure I'm checking the emails. I make sure I'm communicating. Um, and I also am quite transparent with those who need to, to know about, you know, if, if because again, social media is not private. So right. I'm sure mm-hmm. I have colleagues who see me on a trip somewhere or they see that and but then at the same time, they're like, wow, but you're like at every meeting and you're on top of everything. Like, how are you, how are you doing this? And it's like, it's, I plan it out and um, <laughs> I get it, I get it done. That's amazing. So it sounds like people on the corporate side are also in awe of you then and all of your abilities. <laughs> no, no, I just, I think the thing is social media is, it's, it's a very specific type of hustle Mm-hmm. Um, because it's very public. So right. I, it would probably be different, let's say, if I was writing, you know, nights and weekends, I wrote, a, I was trying to write a book, or if I owned, like, a, you know, a store that I maybe staffed with other. It's just this social media in itself is very personal and public, and so people mm-hmm. see you, and it's easy to make assumptions about someone in their life um, when they see you on social media. Uh, so it's, I think that's also part of why, like, even on my profile, I make it clear like attorney and I, I tell people I, it's a, it's a job and I, I have another job. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I communicate and and I don't want to minimize the significance of the other stuff because I speak at conferences recently. I, I was in Saratoga speaking at a a compliance conference talking about Mm -hmm. how we set up our compliance office um, I, but then shortly thereafter, I was at a blogger conference talking about those experiences. So do your worlds ever cross at those conferences where you're talking about compliance and someone comes to you and says, Oh my goodness, I can't believe it's you. Yes, yes I, that's happened. I've all, it's also happened when I think I was interviewing a candidate and she was like, wait a minute, I know you, I follow oh, you. Wow. Um, or, um, we had some, I think we had like a staff meeting or something and, you know, some people have been like, they follow me and my co- colleagues are really great. You know, the ones that are close to me, they make jokes about it. They, if they see something, they're like, oh, we just saw you do this thing and it's fine. You know, um, again, everyone, a lot of people do a lot of different things with their lives and, um, it's, I don't know. I, I did. It's been fine so far. I haven't had any um, issues or cause for concern. Okay. Well, that's very encouraging to hear. Yeah. It also crossed recently. I wasn't able to attend, but there was a uh, a bar association conference where they wanted me to speak from 
both sides as someone who's an attorney mm-hmm. but who's also worked in social media it was just a conversation around lawyers and social media i thought it was interesting so i was i was going to if i had made it i i was supposed to be wearing both hats and talking about both <laughs> so that would have been interesting yeah well that's amazing that your expertise is being recognized then even in the legal community. That was a nice invite. Unfortunately, I was traveling and I couldn't go. I felt so bad because I was like, man, this is a one time. There's something that's like right on point. I'm sure those opportunities will continue to come up, especially if you keep up what you're doing. Oh, God Um, willing. I am definitely curious then what a day looks like for you, especially as it pertains to this, just managing your Simply Sin brand. Okay. So in all fairness, it's not easy to do what I'm doing completely alone and some folks have assistants or they have friends or and I have Mm -hmm. my husband my husband has been my everything so he is not only super supportive but he is the the helping hand when I can't handle everything by myself so Mm -hmm. most days I would say for me, a Monday really starts on the weekend because Monday requires that I've done everything and set everything up perfectly Saturday and Sunday so that by the time Monday morning starts up, I'm already good to go. So this means for blog posts, everything's drafted and scheduled. It's auto-scheduled mm. so I know when things are going to post. Similarly, on Instagram and social media, everything is lined up and drafted. What I would do is in the morning, I will engage a little bit, usually on the train ride before I get to work. I would maybe check in or first thing in the morning before I even like hop out of bed, I do a little social media engagement, try to respond to some emails, try to, you know, respond to DMs and the like. And then once the workday starts, it's pretty much focused at the office. Uh, My calendar is really, the nature of my job is that it's very meeting heavy. So I'm... Mm -hmm. 80% of the day in a meeting for the most part. And some Mm -hmm. days like it's nine to five in meetings. Um, Over the course of the day, there's very little to no social media because of, I really, I don't, I may check in if I have a lunch, I would do like a a quick check in, make sure nothing's falling apart. As concerns emails, that's where my husband comes in. He will handle Mm -hmm. emails on my behalf. He will check, and if there's anything that's like super, super urgent, which I mean, there there isn't really, but if it's super urgent, he may text me and just give me a heads up that there might be something super urgent. Besides that, it's wow. full on just doing the work, and then when mm-hmm. I when I'm done with that, um, I usually do what I did with you, for example, which is I'll try to schedule if I have to have conversations and meetings or whatnot. I try to have those meetings and conversations before 9.30 a.m. or after 5.30 p.m. So if I had to schedule something, you know, like a social media type call, I would say, oh, I'll I'll do it after 5.30 or we'll talk on a weekend or we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, Every now and then I do have um, to, if I have to take the day to do an event or do something, that of course is sorted well in advance. But most days are go to work, focus on the, focus on the, you know, the first gig um, and just make sure that I planned everything out nice and, you know, tight. And then there's, it it runs Mm -hmm. like a machine. It only falls apart if you, if I didn't do my job over the weekend. 
<laughs> right. And then, I can see that. And, and, and if that happens, then sometimes I just may not post for a couple of days. And I know consistency is important in the business of social media, but I don't mm-hmm. like to do anything in a rush or in a haste. So I'll just wait till I have the time to to schedule and think through my posting and then do that. It's amazing to get a behind the scenes look there just because I've heard it said that the more busy you are, the Mm -hmm. more you can do. Meaning that the busiest people have systems in place just so nothing falls through the cracks. As a mom, I absolutely can empathize with that. Right? Just because everything has to have a schedule. So Mm. it's amazing that that also applies just for you managing social media as well. Yeah. Uh, Social media could be, potentially I've seen it could really be, um, take a lot of time. And Mm -hmm. although I am a consumer, I really want, I try to spend a lot of my time focusing on creating and sharing interesting content um, and so usually when I come home as well, you know, you, you can't get carried away with watching what everybody else is doing. You have to make sure mm-hmm. that you're doing. So, you know, most of my engagement is just to check in with the folks that I think are great and to respond to comments and, you know, questions I might get. And then it's back to work. I'll get on my computer. I'll, you know, email brands if I need to email them about concepts and proposals and budgets and, and, you know, read contracts and try to look at deals that have come my way. And I just, I handle the business side for a little bit. And then I would say no more than about an hour a night is spent on engagement and emails. And then I have to actually do the content and schedule out when do I do a shoot? Where am I traveling to? How does that, how does that all fit into my calendar? And how does that mm-hmm. work with the dates, especially for travel? Because I, I try to plan on my dates well in advance. How does that work with the dates that I've, you know, I set for myself? There's a lot of opportunities I've not been able to um, be a part of because it just didn't work out with dates. I, you know, over the past month, for example, a few people reached out with different opportunities to go here or there. But because my job, if, if my job wasn't a priority, I would just be like, oh, I'm going to just take the day and just go or take the couple of days <laughs> or take whatever, you know, take a week and right. disappear and run here and run there. But I really mm-hmm. believe in balance. Um, and mm-hmm. I believe that, um, again, if you plan things out properly, you can get it all done. Um, you just have to be very smart and, um, you know, smart about it. So you mentioned partnerships mm-hmm. earlier. I've seen you featured in magazines or in television segments and doing partnerships online. How did you book those jobs or get those opportunities? Well, God is good. <laughs> the first thing I'm going to say. Oh, amen. Honestly, if I said I knew the exact moment that I did the exact right thing, I, I can't say that for sure. What I do know is that in the beginning, the opportunities were few and far between. But all mm-hmm. I had control over was how I engaged and my relationships with the folks that I met. And I just made mm-hmm. sure the very first few things I did that... You know, I was humble and I was available and I was professional. 
And that led mm-hmm. to referrals. And honestly, I do believe that once you get into people, what is the modern version of Rolodex? Once you, once you get into their, their list of contacts, once you're on their list, they refer you. And even if they don't refer you, the fact that they've worked with you makes other people want to work with you. And so it's really become like a chain reaction where from one person mm. led to someone else. It's like, oh, I heard you, you worked with this person. We have something. Oh, you worked with that person. We have something. Oh, you worked with another agent in my agency. I have something. Um, so I would say that a lot of, a lot of the, the bookings and deals really came through in that manner. Um, in addition, mm-hmm. at the very beginning, because, and you can say I was naive, but because I was not looking at it in terms of coin at that very beginning, but rather in terms of, you know, brands and partnerships, I, mm-hmm. I went in the door and didn't really get paid. But then the next time I worked with them, I got paid. And so sometimes, you know, you give a little, you get a little, you know, because first they establish that you're serious, you're professional, you'll deliver on time, you take it seriously. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they, they treat you seriously. The first time, maybe they didn't come with money, then they come with a little bit of money. Then the next time, you know, you counter. They come with money and you're like, actually, based on everything I've done now, all the work I've done, I would like to counter and tell you this is what I think I'm actually worth now. And it's coming from a place and and they respect that. But sometimes if you do that without a track record, then, you know, it's hard if you don't have the track record. Another thing I did in the beginning, even though, um, was I did a lot of outreach, um, Mm -hmm. and all of my outreach in the beginning when I was much with, when my audience was smaller was just to work with folks. And it never had a dollar amount attached to it. It was just to work with folks. Mm. And I would say, look, this is what I think I could bring to the table. I have a small audience, mm-hmm. but they're dedicated. They would love to see your brand. They would love to hear stories that I could tell with your brand. And in mm-hmm. some respects with travel, I still sometimes do small pitches. If I think there's um, a hotel or a city or somewhere that I want to visit or I think will be great to work with, I will send them a pitch. What does a pitch look or sound like? I guess different people have different things. I honestly just have an email. My pitch is an email that just says, hi, this is me, this is who I am. Um, And I say, if you have a little bit of time just look here and the good thing is now because I have a blog it's like an online CV also like you see mm-hmm. right here you could see what I'm about right here are the stats of my audience um, I'm put I'm laying everything out and I would mm-hmm. really love to discuss something so you know please feel free to, to continue the conversation and otherwise it was just nice to say hi and I really have found that has been quite successful it's really like it's, it's the thing you you probably have to spend a lot of time on that because you want it to hit strong and fast and be concise and get all your points mm-hmm. out there it's i spent a lot of time writing that and i believe i have edited it and changed it over the years but the the core of it is 
pretty much the same as it was about four years ago. Because I went back to see what it looked like four years ago and what it looks like now. And it's still pretty similar. Similar, but still effective. It's effective. Which is, which is nice to see. Yeah, I would say my stats, my stats change. So it's good to go in there and like, you know, see where my stats were the first time I sent out the pitch and where my stats mm-hmm. are now. Um, and um, I don't. I don't take anything for granted and I don't, I'm never disappointed by silence or no, because I had nothing mm-hmm. to lose. I sent an email. I had absolutely, you have nothing to lose, but I spent a lot of time researching and making sure that I'm not sending it to like, um, uh, I like to send communications to, to individuals. And so I will research mm-hmm. and try to get a name, a person so that I could say hello person you know, right. this is who I am, you know, and um, if you would like to take some time to see what I'm about, I think we could make something really, we could work together on something that's quite great. Once you get the deal, so earlier you mentioned that oftentimes there's negotiation that goes on. Historically, traditionally, women aren't always the most eager to negotiate. So how did you initially set your rates for whatever engagement and what's your approach to countering? Uh, My initial rates were based on, so in the very beginning, I did not even think about, first of all, in the beginning, I was like, what? Somebody is going to give me money. Oh, wow. I didn't, (laughs) I did not know that could happen. So here we go. Someone gives me money. Another person gives me money. Another person gives me money. And I'm like, okay, wow, this is, this is continuing. So I use those first offers as my baseline for my initial Mm -hmm. um, rate card. In addition, I literally Googled, I Googled and I looked up Instagram influencer rates based on your following. And I, use that to adjust my rates accordingly. But Mm -hmm. then something else happened where I realized you can have conversations independent of a rate card because what happens is that for a project, there's a budget. That budget has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with your rate card. They have a budget and they're supposed to hire talent and hire people, you know, based on that budget. So I sometimes ask the question, I'll be like, what's the budget for this project? And, you know, there comes the attorney, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'll be like, what's the budget? What do you have for this project? And sometimes they'll share. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're a little coy. Oh, we can't go over so-and-so. Now, no one's going to tell you their max. So Mm -hmm. what you do is that just helps you figure out the ballpark. And one fine day I said, you know, what do I, there was a project that I absolutely thought from when I just read it, it felt like a lot of work and something that I did not want to do. So I countered Mm. with a very like, you know what? I have nothing to lose here. This seems like a lot of work. I don't even think I want to do it. I'm just going to counter at my max. I think I doubled the, the, or maybe a little more than doubled what they had offered. And literally Mm. five minutes later, great we're sending you the contract to sign i was like what You're like, oh no i should have asked for more yes. i was like oh no and that began me realizing that it's true that women never ask for enough we don't really know our worth and that there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong and nobody would think you're a horrible person for standing up for yourself and for doing your homework get a sense of what right. the brand is are we talking the little shop that just opened up 
Or are we talking Fortune 500 company? Are we talking online or are we talking print? Are we talking TV? Like what's the platform? Is it, is it a car company versus is it chips? Is it, is it beauty mm-hmm. versus, so you do your homework. You have to have a sense of who these companies are. You have to have a sense of the budgets that they have. You have to have a sense of what they're asking for. And all of that should determine what your rate is. It cannot just be, Oh, I'll take whatever they're going to give me. Oh, no, absolutely. Always yeah. ask for more. Yeah. Ask <laughs> can't for appear more. to be too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, such and good do, advice. Do your homework. Such good do your homework. I definitely know the difference between a brand that's just starting out that can only offer you. And I do those because that's what I started for. I started, I wanted to highlight mm-hmm. things I love. If I love your brand, I'll work with you. I don't need, I don't have to be paid because I want to showcase your brand. But if I'm Mm -hmm. working on a business deal with a company to do an ad, you know, then we can talk differently about what, what that entails and what kind of commitment is there. And is there exclusive, do they want me to be exclusive? Do they Mm -hmm. want me to not only post during a certain time? Do they want to dictate how I create the content? You have to read all the fine print in the contract and you can edit that contract. Oh. It's not set in stone. You could edit every line of it, Ooh. send it right back. Say, here are my, here are my changes. Please amend the following. And, you know, if they don't agree, you have a conversation and you, you get to a place where everyone's happy. That may come naturally to you as an attorney, but mm-hmm. for people who are still starting out, should they have a contract of their own? Should they be consulting an attorney right out the gate? Or how should they play that with contracts? Honestly, I think the very first few, the great thing about this world we live in now is, although there is bad information on the internet, there's also good information on the internet. I would really say that something that I also did at the beginning was I did reach out to other influencers and I asked that they could give me advice on their experiences. Now you have to be Mm. careful because not everyone's the same. You have to reach out to people that you, you, you have a sense that are trustworthy. You have to reach out Mm -hmm. to people that you know will give good advice. And I'm very lucky that there is actually quite a large community of folks in the influencer space, especially when we're talking about women and even more specifically when we're talking about women of color who will share Mm -hmm. their experiences and give advice, which is why I wanted to, you know, I was like, oh my God, I hope I can work this out so I could do this podcast because there is such a need for information and advice. This is a very relatively new industry, especially in terms mm-hmm. of when you're talking a business space. It's an interesting right. business space for women, for, for black women, for, um, and I would say for all women, specifically for black women, because we do understand that there um, are inequities in how uh, people mm-hmm. are viewed and how we are paid. And it's, but I do think that social media has been a great equalizer in terms of putting a platform that's not controlled by any like media corporation or mm-hmm. other like, you know, publications interests. It's, it's controlled by the people. So you can, you see the faces and the people I see are of every shade and every size and, you know, Latinas and Asian American and like everyone 
is able to be on this space, it's not like television where you're waiting for someone to to hire a, a you know an Asian actress to be on a show or a, a black mm-hmm. actress or an actress of African descent or a dark skin. We're all on there. Everybody's on Instagram, finding their tribe, finding people who appreciate them for who they are. I think that's great. That is absolutely true. I think social media has been the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. Um, someone that comes to mind would be Issa Rae, for example, yeah. with we you know with that. insecure on HBO started on YouTube. Awkward Diaries. I mean, yeah, so, yeah, uh, yep. black girl. What was it again? I can't remember what it's called, what but yes, yeah, on YouTube, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. really, as long as you're willing to put in the work and seek out the advice and do the research, you're able to build a brand um, just like you have. Um, I'm curious, though, in 2017, the Federal Trade Commission came out here and reminded influencers and marketers about being transparent. Hashtag ad. Right, (laughs) right. Hashtag ad. You started started seeing that come out. So how has that impacted the way you approach brand sponsorships and partnerships? I think at the beginning, it really felt um, a lot of influencers hated the whole idea. And Mm -hmm. I probably wasn't a fan either because it made it seem like you were inauthentic and you were um, just for sale or sold out. But I think because increasingly people actually have been nothing if not super supportive of being able to see that here, not only is it a business, but here are these big brands working with people they know. Mm-hmm. I really think advertising has changed because, so just to give you a sense of, of, of how it works, like I would get an email from a brand mm-hmm. about working with them. And, I, and there's a, a few thoughts that go through your mind. Is this going to be rewarding, creative, creatively rewarding? Is this going to be financially rewarding? And is this more than anything else? Is this a brand that connects with me mm-hmm. that I would like to work with? And the reason that question is important is because it is so difficult to create content if you do not like the brand or the product. Right. It just you, becomes in the beginning, straight up work. It's so <laughs> It just works. Right. And in the beginning, you may, you may think, oh, I, I have to, but, but I feel like that's maybe a freedom that you're afforded once you actually start having quite a lot of, you, you have different opportunities. Mm-hmm. But I've learned my lesson and I learned it the hard way. I do not want to work with brands they do not connect with. And I don't want to work with brands they don't think offer something. I may work with a brand that may not connect with me personally, but if they have either a service or they're offering something that I think would be of value to, mm-hmm. to the people that read my platform, then, then I'll work with them. But absent that, it's just, it's never worth it. You don't want to do that and then put paid, paid collaboration with or put hashtag ad if it makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think that if anything, I think to the, a lot of the DMs that I receive when I do a lot of these sponsored posts and sponsored work is great job. You're inspiring me. You're working with a lot of people. How do you do it? Like people are inspired by that. I don't think the reaction. Yeah. The reaction is much less 
oh my God, she's doing, no, it's actually, wow, she's working with this brand and she's working with, that is really great. Um, I can, you know, so, and, and also because social media is very, there's so much going on. The worst that usually will happen is someone won't like, like they, they won't, they won't hit like, they'll mm-hmm. just keep scrolling on to the next mm-hmm. and they'll forget about it. And tomorrow you'll, you'll be talking about something else and, and you know, and it's, it's fine. Yeah, I think there's a lot of conversation yeah. these days around authenticity um, and whether or not people are just putting content out, content out there simply because they're getting paid for it. And so I like that you ask yourself, is this a brand that aligns with my values or the values yeah. of the people who are following me? And if so, great, I will go ahead and partner with them. And then yeah. me as a follower, it helps me know that you're not quote unquote, selling out. I, I can trust the content yeah. you're putting out there, even if you're getting paid to to put it out there. And yeah. so I maintain, I maintain a spreadsheet of every single offer I've received to work on. Mm. And I could dwell because I have the offer I have accepted or rejected. And sometimes actually the, the deal, something falls through, but I have all the information about every single deal and collaboration. And I could look at the money that I did not get because it's on there, mm-hmm. but there's a reason. And so I, there's plenty of opportunities that have come my way that I have turned down and I actually have a dollar amount associated with that, but I'm fine with it because I know that that was not a fit for me or it was something that, that just was not going to make me happy mm. working on it. How much and is that dollar amount? I cannot tell you, but it's <laughs> enough that sometimes it, it's enough where you're like, well, I could, but then you, but then actually I don't feel bad about it. Like I, mm-hmm. I feel like, I'm happy. There's, there's, there's one particular brand I will not name that I, they actually approached me first, like with the dollar amount before they told me the brand. Hmm. And I was like, huh. And actually they just like sent a contract with like, I was like, wait, wh- who's this for? And then they, t- and it's like, no, 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 it's okay. I'm fine. Thank oh, you. so they may have gotten turned down by others if they're leading with money. Yes. Oh, they had, they led with the money and you really got to think long-term. Like, again, if this is like, you're just trying to do your quick, quick in and out. Mm-hmm. But if you're thinking long-term and you're thinking, you know, you want people to, you know, again, I don't judge if, Anyone can work with whoever. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really unfortunate if, um, for folks to, to feel like they, they have to judge someone who's worked. I mean, I try not to because it's a business as well. It's a business. There's some, it's the same thing like, and I don't want to equate it, but you hear actors and artists sometimes say, you know, some things you do for the check and then sometimes you actually do for you. You know, like I'll do, you'll do a movie that's fluff but then you'll do a movie that's more substantial that really matters to you. So I think we should not judge people who are, especially when you're talking about women, because thanks, I mean, this, I mean, social media has been great to a lot of women mm-hmm. who are living their lives, who are able to support their family, able to pay off their student loan debt, 
create something of their own, do not spend a minute of your time like hating on that. So, but personally, I just make choices that I think I can sleep well in it and I'm comfortable with. Um, I know, for example, and this is, it's public. So I work with McDonald's, for example, they were great to me. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And I, I posted, you know, like with, um, um, whatchamacallit, drinking uh, a milkshake or something. Mm-hmm. And someone commented, those are horrible. They're like 9,000 calories. Ooh. They'll kill you. And I was like, yeah, that that is true. But we, you know, I, most, again, most of, most of the people who are following um, me on my platform, because I have stats on all of that, mm-hmm. are adults who can make decisions about what they choose to to ingest or not ingest. Right. And I believe in balance. So I'm going to some days have candy and some days I have salad. And that's all that that was. It's just like, why would you? This is so, you're pushing the worst. People will have opinions. But oh, I yes. felt confident. Yes, you know, people were like, oh, why would you do that? And I was like, this is, you know, I hear you. <laughs> um, but I'm actually fine with it because I do. I'm a. I do like to go get my McDonald's fries every now and then. I, do I eat that every day? No. <laughs> here, although mine is unfortunately yeah. Chick Fil A fries. There you go. You see, we all have our like. You gotta. You can't be good all the time. No, you know. So no. sometimes you have a little candy, mm-hmm. and and hopefully you're not only having candy. You know. Right. But everyone deserves a treat every now and then. So. Yeah. Speaking of people being vocal on your platform, I know last year a picture of you with an older Caucasian couple, they were curiously touching your hair, resurfaced and kind of sparked a little bit of a debate. And I thought you handled that beautifully. So being in the limelight as you are, how do you gracefully deal with all the trolls and any controversy if it arises? Oh, the trolls. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say... I am lucky. I believe the trolls are the 1%. They're the 1% that for the most part do not deserve any of our time or attention. But every now and then you do have to maybe check people mm-hmm. or educate people. That photo, for example, I think there were a few platforms that knew that it was a, a nice positive, at least in the way I received the moment, mm-hmm. it was a positive moment. It was not a negative moment. I didn't share it to be like, oh my God, why? So a few places that reposted it had my initial reaction, my initial intent. Mm-hmm. A couple other places that posted it took it like, oh, like really made it into a very negative experience. Just click I love to, yeah, clickbait. I love to travel. Travel is about learning about the world, learning about people. We are not all the same. We are so different. If someone comes up to me with smiles on their face, with kindness in the, the, their voice, with kindness, you know, saying Bella, and you know that they're coming from a place of positivity, mm-hmm. what I can do in that situation is I can educate them. Because guess what? I don't know everything. I have gone to other places in the world, other cultures, mm-hmm. and I have done or said things that probably were not appropriate. But you live and you learn. Mm-hmm. And I know that that 
situation could have been very different if I was in, say, New York City, which is super, super diverse. Right. And it was a couple my age that came up to me. So everything is situational. Everything Mm -hmm. is in context. And in context, that was a nice way. I said it and I think I sent a few messages. A few people sometimes tagged me when someone posted it negatively. And I would say, hi, please do not share this. Like, it's a negative photo. Mm -hmm. That is a photo that I actually love. I love that moment. And my husband and I were were in that moment. And we loved that moment. We thought it was a nice moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't like that it was taken to to be anything other than that so but i have to say the 99 percent on social media they're good people it's the one percent um there will always be some people who are not happy and you cannot let them rain on your day no always i think social media has just given people the room and i think some people think they have the license to be ugly online unfortunately yeah (laughs) Um, yeah but i was so happy there were so many people that came and commented niceness and kindness and again context and context is key and we, mm -hmm. we we have so much work to do um just in terms of just being better to each other. We're, we're living in a very, like, it's just very, it's tough. Let's not forget the reality of how things are at the moment mm-hmm. um, because of the leadership in this country. And, and I think it's, it's really hard, but I'm, I'm going to go with Michelle, man. You know, just always, always go high. Go high. Go high. Uh, always go high. And if you're a person who, you know, everyone believes what they believe, but again, I'm a a child of uh, my grandfather was a pastor, you know, my sister has been in ministry, my my stepdad is a pastor, I'm I'm a child of the church, I grew up going, Mm -hmm. like I just, there's, there's just so much about who I am that is, I always just try to do what's going to be right in his eye and mm-hmm. so that's just that's me no that's good i think that's really good advice for people mm-hmm. who are now starting to step into the social limelight um mm-hmm. it's probably not worth it to engage every troll that that pops up on your feed um yeah. and so for those aspiring bloggers you mentioned earlier that this isn't a career that people have a lot of information about about but would you recommend that people go into blogging as a full-time career out of school and if so you know what are the key things they should consider in order to earn a successful living at this wow if you're just coming out of school Mm -hmm. well i hope you while maybe while you were in school you you found some time to really I would say get, it's it's great to have something that is yours, to be mm-hmm. honest. So Insta- the, the platforms may change. We've gone from MySpace, there was Friendster, MySpace, mm-hmm. and, and, and um, Vine, I think, and then there's Instagram. So there are platforms, and, and they may change. Mm-hmm. But you, what you are and what you own will always be yours. And that's why my, my blog is still very important to me, and I've seen some people who once the Instagram starts getting really busy, 
they maybe let the blog slide. My recommendation is make sure you maintain and work on your platform. Do you have your podcast? Do you have your newsletter? Do you have your blog? Work on the things that are yours. So now you have that. You maintain that. You keep that. You, everything else, you could repurpose your newsletter content for Instagram or mm-hmm. Facebook or wherever. Repurpose, you know, your content. So content is king. Have that content living somewhere that belongs to you. Mm-hmm. God forbid Instagram went away tomorrow. You have your stuff somewhere. Um, so once you do that, then I actually would recommend that if you really think social media is the space you want to work in, I would recommend either interning or working at an agency that does social media type stuff. Mm-hmm. The reason is you get to see the behind the scenes. You see the interactions between brands and influencers mm-hmm. and you get a better sense of the money that's involved, how to think of it as a business before you strike out on your own. Got so it. many people that I've seen, so many folks that I've met now who are currently influencers started by managing influencers. They were with the agencies mm-hmm. that strike up the deals. They were interns somewhere. So they're like, you know what? I was working behind the scenes and I learned a lot and I know how to pitch a brand because I was on the brand side. I know how to send a communication. I know what stats they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to go into social media, try to go agency or brand side, get that education, Mm -hmm. get all that information and then make it work for you. So learn on someone else's dime first and learn, then strike out learn. on your own. Mm. And then come apply it. Because you know what? It is increasingly harder. Like a lot of folks, they, they reach out to me and they say, I just want to get a big following. You know, I just want to, I just want to get a thousand or 10,000 or whatever number it is that your goal is. Mm. And that that's really great. But what I'm learning is if you really understand the business side and you understand your audience, there are so many micro influencers and micro usually refers to some people think it's in like 5k or less. Some people say 10k or less, 10,000 or less. Micro influencers usually have very dedicated followers, Mm. audience. It could be a hundred people, but those folks respond, react, they share, Mm -hmm. they tell their friends. And so there is a space. So you don't always have to think, I just need to get to 20,000 followers. I just need to get to 10,000 followers to be real. You have to think, how do I leverage the 10 eyeballs I have? How do Mm -hmm. I make a case for that they're worthwhile? And I think you can really learn how to be skilled at communicating that if you've worked on the brand side or on the agency side. That's good advice then. More and more, I hear stories of people who have taken a more traditional route just because they didn't understand what the options were or they didn't know of anyone who'd been through it. And then later on in life, they take the detour to where they truly want to be. And it'd be good to start to shift the conversation and the mindset to have people find ways to get where they want to go earlier in the, in their lives as opposed to later. Mm -hmm. There's so much I didn't know in the beginning. 
Oh, yeah. And through mm-hmm. conversations like this, and as, as you said earlier, Google it. There's so much information yeah. out there these days that there's almost oh. no excuse, I would say. No excuse. Earlier, you mentioned pitching people for um, at hotels and for trips. How does that mm-hmm. work? How do you afford all the trips that you go on? Because my goodness, we, we live vicariously through you. Well, some of them are actually on my own dime, depending on the situation. Some of them are a full on collaboration where the brand, um, they, I, to be quite honest, travel is a tricky space. Mm-hmm. Travel does not, pay as much as the other spaces they generally don't have the budget Mm. travel generally doesn't have the budget and a lot of time in travel they would want to just offer you uh uh you know a stay or no real compensation you'll get a trip you get a hotel stay Mm -hmm. but they won't um there won't be any actual money in it for you So really it's getting that CV together where it makes sense for them to pay you. And which is why for about the first three years, it was me saying, reaching out and saying, Hey, um, is there something we could do? Maybe if I offer you A, B, C, D, then that would equate, you know, a stay. And sometimes Mm -hmm. they would even offer all of that. And they're like, we'll give you a media rate and it'll be like a 30% discount. And you're like, wait a minute, I'm going to do all of this. and You want to <laughs> offer me a 30% discount. So it takes some convincing. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes some relationship building, but I think um, travel, they're starting to pivot. They're starting to do some paid stuff. And I will admit that some of the stuff I've done more recently has been paid, but because I love travel so much, that is definitely one space in which I would be, more likely to, to, to work something out that's maybe not as on the surface financially, um, you know, not as competitive financially with some of the other things, but, but travel is important to me. So I, I sometimes make concessions there that I wouldn't otherwise make. If travel is a space that you're specifically interested in, mm-hmm. just, just try to get your photos and your content If you don't have the eyeballs, then you should at least have the photos. And if you don't have the photos, then you should at least have the storytelling skills. If Mm -hmm. you don't have the storytelling skills, then maybe you're, maybe you, you write, you're, you're on TripAdvisor and you're on Yelp and you use all these other tools that, that they like to see that people use. And maybe you have a following on Yelp or TripAdvisor or, Mm -hmm. you you know, all these different things. You shouldn't discount um, the different platforms that, people um use to 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 highlight um experiences and and travel stuff interesting i hadn't thought about getting Mm -hmm. your foot in the travel door by leaving reviews and things of that nature but you're right that's where i go i'll go on TripAdvisor, travel zoo Mm -hmm. i'll look at reviews just to see what there you go huh okay that's a good tip yeah and it's public now but TripAdvisor, for example is doing a huge pivot where they're moving away from being um, just a review platform to actually mm-hmm. becoming a, a social media platform. And so now you have users with followers and profiles and um, they just announced this, I think last week. And I got to be one of those that was trying out the beta version mm-hmm. and it feels you can, you know, it's, they're, they're adding a lot of really cool tools. I would say for anyone who's interested in the travel space, 
they should definitely look to get in early in yes, TripAdvisor. Early because adopters. Early adopter. Mm-hmm. Be an early adopter. Check out their beta version of what they're doing. Um, they're really probably going to be the next best thing in terms of collaborations around travel. That's good to hear. Yeah. And thank you for thank yeah. you for the scoop there. Yeah. I know it's public though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just but you know, some people still, you know, missed it or didn't see the announcement. So mm-hmm. if you haven't if your page looks exactly the same, then maybe you haven't updated to the beta. So just Google and do some searches and see if you could quickly get on it. Okay. And start start putting your stuff on there and getting followers. No, I think that's going to be helpful to those aspiring travel bloggers out there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. back to the Simply Sin brand, what's next for you? Oh, man, I can't talk about any of it. No, no. Um, <laughs> I, 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 for someone who, who likes to plan things out as much as I do, and I, I have a few things that I really would like to do long term. Uh, but for now, I, I have some personal goals in terms of some folks that I would like to work with and some folks that I would like to learn from. I think that I would like to close out the year. Um, just there's some stuff that I want to, to learn some skills I want to, um, improve on. And, um, but I, I do like, um, I, I do, I do like the idea of not overly, overly plotting out the future and being Mm -hmm. open to opportunities and where things come because so much of the first half of my life was about just super rigid structure and super rigid. This is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it. And then you go to your interviews and you go to law, you know? So Mm -hmm. um, if I hadn't allowed myself to be open and just a little bit fluid to these opportunities, I wouldn't be here now. So I'm not closing myself off to anything. I, uh, I also have some goals, um, in terms of my, uh, as a compliance professional, mm-hmm. we'll see. I'm excited for 2019 because gosh, 2018 is already over. I don't know how that happened. Oh, it's gone by so quickly, but sitting on, on this side of the screen, we're excited to see what else is going to be coming up for Simply Sin. Um, everything yeah, you've thanks. done this year has been amazing. Thank you. <laughs> for those people who we've now piqued their interest, where can they find you? Oh, please find me on simplysyn.com. That's my main platform. It's simply, S-I-M-P-L-Y-C-Y-N.com. Or you can also find me on Instagram at simplysyn. Um, and everything else that I do, I usually share on either of those platforms. You can find me. Again, I'm at simplysyn on TripAdvisor. Um, you can find me. I am Simply Sin on Twitter. I try to keep my um, my handle as um, that's another thing. Get your handle and try to get it across all platforms. Mm-hmm. It's very important if you're doing anything in social media. Lock down that domain. Lock down those handles. Try to get them um, as quickly as possible. Um, and uh, yeah, there's definitely I, I have some fun travel stuff coming up for the rest of the year. I'm really excited. I have some trips before we close out 2018 and um, some fun stories to tell. And I'm definitely going to try to start working, doing more video, which is hard because the reason I haven't been able to do as much video is it's time consuming. Mm -hmm. So when you don't have as much time, that gets really hard. But I would also recommend that to anyone who's trying to do work in the social media space, 
get your video editing skills together. Video is great. Um, And if you could do video, like that's really going to take you a really, really long way. Okay. Especially, I'm sure Issa Rae can attest to that. (laughs) Well, there you go. See how that works? (laughs) Well, it was so nice chatting with you today. We really appreciate the time. Thank you. Um, This was a lot of fun and I'm super chatty, but um, I hope that um, I was able to share something worthwhile. Oh no, so much good information. So much good information. We appreciate it. Alrighty. Thank you so much. Hi Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you enjoy listening to our show, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network. Between episodes, you can find me on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript, or you can catch up on past episodes at She's Offscript.com. See you on the next one.